Howdy friends, back again with another entry in this dark chronicle we call Stories and Lies. Some very exciting news, you may have already noticed a new cover image for the podcast feed. We did a little redesign of our logo and branding for the show so that we could have a more story-neutral image. Many thanks go out to the fine folks on Discord for helping us refine the design. We've also released our new website into the wild. Check it out at storiesandliespodcast.com. The new site has a ton of fun stuff, including episodes broken out by story, written short stories and their accompanying audio narrations, biographies for our agents, handouts for the different scenarios, and a one-stop shop to get in touch with us. I am very happy with how the site turned out, and we hope you like it too. That's not the end of all the fun stuff going on, though. From the Dust, a side story scenario run by Matt and starring Tom, myself, and Chris from the Chaos Engine podcast, will begin airing on our Patreon starting Christmas Day. Don't miss out on that craziness. Also, we have some really fun plans on ways to make the podcast more accessible, which are in the works. I can't say much more yet, but I've been very happy with the results so far on those fronts. Okay, okay. I know what you really came for. Here it is. Static Episode 11. Back roads and back doors. Parents are mostly clean, but they're coming after me. I don't know who they are. But you gotta take this along. Implications. I'm sorry, Jacob, I don't mean to interrupt, but I wanted to ask a, a couple of questions. Well, you're the doc, so um go ahead, ask away. The final protocol was that if anyone on your team broke any of the other protocols, they were to be eliminated. Is that correct? Uh, something like that, yes. And you made a point of reminding Willow about this rule. That I did. Why? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, I think it had to do with Dorothy telling me about this girl who translated the play from French into English and then asking me about translations. Now, now back in the 1950s, the, we had this fellow in the U.S. government who translated that very same play from French into English, a fellow by the name of uh, Emmett Mosby. A couple months go by, and nothing happens. And then suddenly, he decides to go on vacation, spring vacation, in October. And then uh, the last thing he says to anybody is, uh, the continent first, and then to court. And he is never seen again. Interesting. Now, now, I could tell that Dorothy was on the fence about what needed to be done. So I got Willow on the phone, and I thought, you know, I'd give Dorothy a push by reminding Willow about the most important rule. We do not break the rules. And you didn't know how Willow would interpret that instruction? Um, I probably should have known. What's more important to you, Jacob? The mission or your agents? Uh, uh, the mission. I'm being frank with you, Doctor. I mean, I know I am supposed to give you this uh, song and dance about how I look after my people and how I do my best to ensure their safety. But my duty is to the greater good. Save as many lives as possible. Not necessarily the lives of my people. I don't think that's true. Is that right? The story you're telling me, Jacob, is the story you think I want to hear. Or perhaps it's the story you want to tell. That distinction doesn't matter so much to me. Uh, what matters is figuring out your reasons. I ain't got no reasons. I, I, I'm telling you this story the way I remember it. 
You are the author of your own narrative, Jacob. You chose the players. You placed them on the stage. You, you prepared their lines. You prepared the sets. You provided the cues and the blocking. You fill in an entire theater of the mind and present it to me and the vast audience who is listening as this story. What is the story, Jacob? And what does the story tell us about you? They tell me all your stories All the little worries you cry They tell me what the world needs What to say, who to please Where my loyalty should lie Sunday, November 21st, noon. We're at Dorothy's motel room just after the argument has somewhat wrapped up. Uh, Fred, you've stepped away from the argument. You've stepped out in the Dorothy's room. For just a moment, you're by yourself in the room as the other two are silently um, letting tempers subside. Uh, Fred, what do you want to do? Uh, reaches into his left pocket, removes a, a cigarette pack, Picks one up, lights it, and, and starts uh, smoking very intently, very slowly. Basically trying to wind down after this uh, argument. Yeah. So as, as you smoke, Fred, you notice there is like a, a small little plastic lacquered sign sitting there on the TV stand next to the TV, which is, you know, no smoking and a little, you know, cigarette with a circle line through it. Right. He kind of stares at it for a second, takes a nice drag, continues smoking. So cutting to Dorothy and Willow, um, the two of you are uncomfortably close in that motel bathroom. I think Willow's still holding those handcuffs, or, or Dorothy, do you have them? I handed I handed them out at, towards her. I don't know if she took them or not. Yeah, I think she she would have maybe taken them, but she didn't put them on. At this point, she's she's definitely quiet. Um, she's looking up at Willow and. There sort of is a look of, like a feeling of betrayal, but she says, so is that the plan? Are we going to get those people, put them in the motel, and try to find this place? I mean, it's really all that we can do. If we're not going to follow the orders the way they were handed to us, we're going to have to do the other thing Morrison told us, which was follow your lead and... uh do the best we can in the circumstances. So, you tell me. He put me on this, in this position, he said, because I have heart. 
because of my sympathy. And he said that the lives of these people are in my hands, but the more that we're going through this, the more I'm starting to feel like that just isn't the case, or at least it shouldn't be the case. If there's protocols we need to follow, then there's protocols we need to follow. And the lives of these people are in the hands of, well, all of us. But if we need to do something drastic, I mean, we have to do what we have to do. We have to stop this. Well, it doesn't look like my opinion is going to win the day here. Not that I even know that it should anymore. And I just don't feel like we're doing a very good job of containing anything at this point. Yeah. But we need to change that. And I think the only what we talked about is the right way to go forward. We need to go get Violet for sure. Yeah. She seems to be kind of slippery, though. And she escaped from her own house a couple times. Maybe not escaped, but snuck away. Yeah, she definitely has some street skills that she probably came by through not great circumstances, right? She probably earned those. Sure. Well, what's your plan? What are you thinking? Let's start with Violet. I mean, you might not like this very much, but it looked like you got her trust, so... Yeah. Use that against her? Sorry? And do what, though? Specifics. Um, well, we got that other hotel. Yep. And the whole purpose of getting that was to have somewhere to put people. Yeah. It's better than killing them. I agree. So, if we're not going to kill her, we should put her in the hotel for now until we figure out what our long-term plan here is. Okay. I kind of feel like she came... I'm looking at it as as a disease still, or an infection, right? Yeah. It kind of feels like she came through the other side, like she survived the disease. I don't know if that's possible, because it's still not really been explained to me what it is, and probably isn't ever going to be explained to me what it is. Right. But with the disease metaphor, I don't feel like Violet is an active contagion, right? I agree. Um, But we don't know for sure. And it could be some kind of a latent uh, hibernation stage, if you will, for using this disease metaphor. And according to our orders, we should be killing her. So we're taking a reduced measure by just containing her, quarantining her, if you will. Well, let's assume, okay, we've got that plan, but let's assume we do kill her. What's the plan then? Where, how, body? Hmm. We're in New Orleans. I say we do what the locals do. There's a lot of gators out there in them swamps. Okay. They make everything disappear. But what about before that? Hmm. Got guns. If somebody's got to take her out, I I got you. You don't need to worry about that on your conscience. It will affect you so much more than me. I'm less worried about that, and I'm I'm more concerned with the amount of noise and attention that doing that would, would bring. Well, it's definitely not something we want to do in her suburban neighborhood, that's for sure. Right. I don't know, it really depends on how hard it is to grab her. We had a pretty good chance earlier that we did not capitalize on. I really don't know. I don't know people well enough to know what she's going to do. It did seem to my novice understanding that she was pretty okay with you. So I feel like you have a chance of convincing her just to come along easily. That would be the preferred way to go about it, I would think. Yeah. Because if you can get her out of out of her house, fuck. Just don't offer her free candy. Our van looks bad enough as it is. And, and at this point, I think Dorothy is kind of wanting to leave the bathroom. 
but Willow is standing in the doorway and she's huge. And I think Dorothy's like not sure how to navigate that situation. I mean, I'm totally oblivious to that because I'm exactly. just trying to solve the new problem, right? Yep. You're asking me questions. And Dorothy says, can, can we maybe go back out there? I, I need some water. Willow would just like move to the side, not even really realizing that she was keeping you in there. So obviously you're not getting handcuffed at this point, right? Okay. Yeah, Fred, you see them come out, and you probably actually heard this entire conversation. It's just a yep. hotel room. So then it's really been secret. But yeah, so here they are, Fred. They come out in the room with you. You're smoking. That scene's yours. Want to smoke? Ah, please. Yeah. Yeah, he, he removes a cigarette, hands it to you. Sure. She lights it up, but she also grabs a bottle of water and um, maybe sits down on the bed. Uh, and she says... Okay, so we've got Violet covered. What about Acadia? I actually have an idea on that front. If this is a disease, time is of the essence, right? Usually, yeah. Okay. What I would suggest is that we split. Dorothy, I don't think you need to... Unless you really want to. I don't think you need to be here for taking care of Acadia and possibly Violet. Okay. You're sure to me that you think that restraining or killing Violet is the right move. And Dorothy kind of throws her hands up. She's like, I, I no, I'm, I'm not sure, um, but I don't think we really have any other options. Okay. I can take care of Violet if you want, and you can take care of Acadia, Willow. I've caught my fair share of young troublemakers back in the days. You just watch the window. It's pretty easy. Do you want me to try to... Oh, God, I can't even believe I'm saying this. Do you want me to try to lure her out? You don't need to. I'm a policeman. Yeah, but... See my badge? He shows, like, the Louisiana State Police badge. Okay. All right. What should I do? Mm. I feel like Acadia might be the more surprising element. Yeah, definitely. She's way way more too far gone you still have that uh nine millimeter silencer fred yes i do could i uh borrow it for a bit sure it's above my pay grade in the department yeah that would help with the uh, whole noise and attention thing so i do want to go on record with say a, a silencer does not make that's, a gun that's exactly what fred was going to say it, it these things are still loud yeah but it, it it makes it, I mean, it suppresses it and makes it much harder to hear from, you know, two blocks away. Yeah. It makes it less, but it doesn't make it none. Yeah. He he goes into, like, his duffel, his, like, work, quote-unquote, duffel bag, and he, uh, he, he hands you the uh, silencer. You actually see, like, a the shine of, like, some kind of mis- uh, submachine gun uh, in there as well. Nice. So, I'll put the silencer on the right hip pistol and leave the left hip pistol unsilenced, put them both back in their holster. What is the right hip pistol? What kind of pistol is it? So the pistols that she carries around in their holsters are just Colt 45 government issue thing that she's been using since the Air Force. Okay. The Air Force has since switched to the M9, but she hates it. She's old school like your dad. Well, give me a luck roll for that pistol. Alright. Uh, 50. 50 exactly? 50 exactly, which doesn't really help. <laughs> That's a 50, success. 50. That's a success, actually. So uh, that pistol is threaded to accept a suppressor of that size. Okay. 
I mean, it, it, it's got to have the you know, it's got to have the threading before you attach it. Right. Yeah. Mm. So, all right. So it does. It works. It, it's compatible. You telling me they don't just magnetize? Just stick it right <laughs> on the end. <laughs> nope. just, yeah, screw those things. No, and it's actually very illegal to just have the threads. Yeah, the threads, yeah, the threads themselves in many states are illegal. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Just having the threaded barrel. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Takes a class three license in the states to be able to do it legally. All right. So yeah. So Willow's got that covered. One other thought that comes to Willow and probably Fred's mind as well is we only have one vehicle. Yep. So what are your thoughts on that? Damn, Uber really has changed the world, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> is there a spot that's walkable? Or, or So wh- from where you are, the drive to the high school was about a 10-minute drive. The residence for Violet is closer, but it's not really walkable. And also, if you do manage to acquire someone, you now have to walk them across town with you. Yeah. Which is extremely difficult. I think the, the it sounds like the plan is to... Just at least, I, I, it sounds like the plan is to kill Acadia in her house. Right. And she's a little further than Violet, but she is in the Desire neighborhood. You guys are not that far from it. So it's walkable. You could walk to that neighborhood and walk back at 12 noon in the, in the afternoon. It's possible. <laughs> but if not advisable, especially uh, with your with your experience with this, you know, Fred, you probably want to have a, a getaway vehicle stashed somewhere. Yes. Yeah, not just be stuck on foot. No, that's that's trouble. You're just asking for trouble. We do have cash, correct? You've got plenty of cash. Plenty of cash. I think you got 24 grand. Yeah, I was gonna say like 25 grand or something. Fred would say like I uh, he, you guys keep the van, and uh, he'll rent a car, or or buy a fucking shitty car. This is actually much much better. Yeah. yeah go buy a shitty car. Yeah. With a big trunk. Yep. There you go. Would be helpful to have a second car. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like an Eldorado, like a two-door Cadillac-looking thing with a big-ass trunk. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So is, is Dorothy going with Willow, then, to Violet? To Acadia, no? Or, oh, she's going to... Yeah, I'm going to Acadia. Okay. Well, sh- should Dorothy go with Fred to Violet? He shakes his head. Okay. Says, I, I prefer having you in the wilder element. Does that make sense? Acadia, I don't know from what you told us, she's she's somewhat far gone, right? Yeah, she's totally gone. Mm-hmm. But you did have sub rapport with her. You did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, if you get her inside her house with us in there, I will take care of the rest. I mean, at this time of day, she's probably already home. I mean, she's probably back from church, but has she gone to the theater yet? Is really my question. I don't know. That struck me as more of an evening thing. Mm. If she's at the theater, it'll be more difficult than at her house is all I'm saying. Yeah. So we want to catch her at home. Yeah. Do you want us to drop you off at a car lot then, Fred? Please do. All right. So we basically move forward. The uh, The white van stops outside of a used car lot here in the, in the outskirts uh, of New Orleans. It's got all sorts of uh, older vehicles with stickers on them and special sales and great slogans, you know, uh, and, you know, low mileage, one owner, all the kind of, you know, ads you would expect from a used car lot. You know, you give um, Fred a couple stacks of cash, which he pockets, Yep. drive away. And we see we see the van leave and Fred's standing there outside, like a, lock, like a wide shot of Fred Fontaine at the used car lot. 
So on the lot, Fred, there's just one sales guy. And as you approach, um, he's got that salesman radar where he, he sees a customer. He knows. And he's, he smiles and walks out, out there to meet you. It's a nice handshake. He's a guy in his early 40s. Um, wearing like a, like a kind of polo, but it's, it's real loose, all unbuttoned. Some slacks. Little bit sweatier today than usual, kind of humid day. He smiles at you anyway, offers you, asks you, he can get you a cup of coffee or, you know, welcome, you know, what are you looking for? What can I do for you? What kind of car do you need? I got all sorts. Yeah, he, he introduces himself and says he's coming from, uh, oh, you know, he's actually from Quebec and he's heard a lot about New Orleans and some people here speak French apparently and everything and like, oh, he's had such a, a great welcome, uh, but he does need a car. Uh, he was dropped by train and, you know, it's kind of kind of hard or by bus or something. It's kind of hard to navigate without a car. So he's just looking for a beat or something, you know, super simple. What's your, what's your budget? What's your, what, what, what can I get you? So I don't know exactly how much mo- um, uh, money Fred would have pocketed. Uh, probably more than necessary, just to be sure. Yeah, f- five to five to seven grand should get you something good in the nineties. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So in that case, he, he probably would have like seven grand, and he, he'd probably ask for something maybe a bit cheaper, just to be sure. So like five five grand. Oh oh um, I mean, I can I can offer you a loan. We can do payments on something. The five's not going to get you much here. Well. Don't quite have the budget. Um, yeah, something better for with six. Yeah, um, give me a human roll, Fred. Gotcha. Glad you're buying the car. Uh, 70, 70 under eighty three. Yeah, um, he he's a salesman. Of course he is. <laughs> like Fred, kind of fakes being kind of like, oh, he doesn't really know, but then he's like, no, I I really only have five thousand. Like I, I can't do six thousand. Like my my wife would kill me. Is a okay? Yeah. So um. With five, I mean, I could take five as a down payment, and we can obviously get you into a great vehicle. I mean, what what are we looking for here? A family car? Uh, just something for yourself? Oh, just for myself. Uh, something goes fast? No, just something to drive around. I, I just need to get places, you know? If it rolls, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. All right. So, um... To kind of cut to the chase, he, he yeah. first starts you with a couple of sports cars. Of course. Things that are way out, you know, they're not $5,000. Like it's a used BMW, he's got like a, a Trans Am and a couple other different options. But, you know, you basically, you get some point communicate that you want to you want to buy the whole car. You're giving 5000 in cash, right? Yep. Okay. So that does change the story. When you're like, I'll give you 5000 bucks in cash right now, he kind of cuts to the chase. All right. He's, All right. Well, let me, that's great. I can do that. I can work with you. That's, you know, here's what I've got. So he shows you a bunch of different models. Yep. Right at five thousand, you know, he starts right there. Mm-hmm. And so, what you can get is, you know, you got a plethora of options here. Maybe cars that are like six to eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. Some GMCs, some Chevys. Just, but but it's mostly stuff being the eighties. You know, mid eighties. So we got the wider bodies, a large trunks, which appeals to you. Yes. You got four doors or two doors. You got large back seats. You got a lot of cargo space and a lot of passenger space which probably appeals to Fred as well, yep. based on what he's looking for. So you find yourself a, a nice uh, navy-colored, you know, uh, GMC kind of long uh, sedan, but it's more of a boat kind of sedan, you know what I mean? Like the longer yep. model with a big trunk and the big hood. And it, he gives you the whole spiel, and uh, you know, about it's only had two owners, only 80,000 miles, great car, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Oh, so yeah. So the fast-forward all this sales stuff, you... Fantastic. Yeah. You, you got a deal. You pay the guy. You do the paperwork. The paperwork, and he you know he talks you through all the stuff. Gives you the keys. 
you know, shakes your hand, and within about 45 minutes, yep. Fred is off the lot. So we're going to move to the other two as Fred leaves the lot. So in their white panel van, unmarked, Willow and Dorothy. Dorothy, you're in the front passenger seat, right? Yep. Okay. You drive by um, the Dubois household, which you've been to before. And as you look outside of it, you don't see any indication that anybody's there. The car is missing and the lights are off. Okay. Um, and you were just there the other night, right? Um, it doesn't look any different than the last time you were here. Look, she hasn't been home at all, almost. I mean, you don't know, but you don't see anything, anything different about the residence since you last saw it that, that evening. Okay. It doesn't look like she's here. Should we go to the theater? And it's right afternoon. Yeah. I mean, she's either still at church or she's at the theater, is, would be my guess. Yeah, we'll say it's about 1230. Okay. We could maybe come back tonight? Mm, let's go check the theater. Yeah, okay. And we, we know what a car looks like? With your intel, either in, you remember. So, you yeah, you'll, you'll probably see it again. Yeah, okay. All right, so you drive f- uh, further south downtown past the Desire, all the way down to you know the Lower Ninth and the neighborhood where the Lafayette Theater is. As you drive up, um, this it's you know almost one o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. There's cars, just people driving, running errands. Stores are open, people are busy. You pull along in front of of the theater. Dorothy, roll your alertness for me. Sure. Um, what do we get here? Thirty six under forty three. Okay. Yeah. So the marquee outside the theater basically says the Majestic Theater, and the, the instead of showing the movies that were playing earlier. Yep. It says basically special showing the king in yellow on the marquee what? outside the theater. And, and it says the majestic theater. It doesn't say Lafayette theater. It's the majestic theater. What? Butterfly effect. I'm utterly confused. The marquee is not illuminated. It's daytime, but you can see where they put the letters up. This is one of those big boards where they hang the letters on it on the exterior of the theater. And in the top was this signage that said the Lafayette. You think. But today, and the the sun in the afternoon here on a Sunday, um, the signage looks different to you. You see the majestic theater, yeah. And then instead of the Hitchcock double feature that we saw a few nights ago, that's all removed. Yep. Special special showing, the king in yellow, which means oh my nothing God. to Willow, right? No, it means nothing to Willow. Oh, it's about to. Yeah. Dorothy points points out like first off, she point out. Um, apparently this is the Majestic Theater again? What? And and then she'll also mention a showing of the King in Yellow. That is not good. So let's give me a Sandy roll for Dorothy. Okay. Big red flag. And Willow would just look at her and be like, and this is why we follow fucking orders. Uh, 64 over 62. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a, yes. a one-point loss for Dorothy. Okay. In the confusion and the in the uncertainty about what this means. Yep. Actually, I'll put it the other way. I'm wrong. Dorothy, you know what this means. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And she says to to Willow, "We need to stop this immediately." Does it say a time for the showing? Special showing is all it says. We need to burn the theater down. Really? Yeah. Like right now. Willow, like, actually smiles. So, I would pull the van into, like, the corner furthest from the main road and the building. Whichever, like, 
as far from both of those things as possible. All right. Uh, is the is the theater visible from where you parked? Yeah, I would want to be able to. S- okay. At this point, I can't let it out of my sight now. Yeah. Yeah. Dorothy has told me to destroy it. Yeah. So from this view, you see the theater. Um, there's. It doesn't appear to be. The doors are closed. No cars. And the uh, the box office window is down. The, the slides are down. There's no cars out front. There's no people out front. It's you know it's almost noon. Then typical theater chimes. There might be a, a matinee, but generally these are evening performances, at least in your experience. But who knows? But at least you don't see anyone entering or leaving the theater. All right. Should we go in and check it out? So we're still still at the van. I would be like, all right, it's time to learn how to use a high powered weapon, Dorothy, because I only have so many hands. Uh, Dorothy pulls out a pistol. <laughs> Willow chuckles and gets out of the van and goes around to the back. Says, come here. Okay. So, Willow, you open up the back doors of the van, right? Yep. All right. And I'm going for the grenade launchers. So, are they the... I'm assuming it's like, this is the 90s. What did Morrison give us? Like, the breach guy? No, he didn't. He he just gave you the grenades. Just nades? It's just the grenades. And these are like smoke grenades. That's what they are. Right. Yeah. But no... No launcher. Why did we have gas masks? I thought we had like uh, CS gas grenades or something. Probably for the smoke grenades. Yeah. yeah they're not, C- yeah, they're not um, CS. They're not tear gas either. They're just smoke. They are smoke. Yeah, they're smoke grenades. So we could, we could go in with smoke and the gas masks and be able to navigate through and clear it out. Okay. So she would agree to that and have you take a couple, show you how to use them. Because smokes are like... Oh, my God. Smokes literally smolder, right? So you basically start a fire and then throw the grenade and it just smolders. And that's what creates all the smoke. Let, let, let's take a step back for a second. <laughs> what are you thinking, Wes? I'm going to take the rifle and both pistols, which I'm taking the silencer back off the pistol. Okay. And... I'm going to shoot anything that moves, and then we're going to burn the place down. Okay. Let's give it a shot. All right. Let's cut back to Fred for a moment. So uh, what we have is Fred Fontaine in his brand new used boat. Probably like a sh- of the Chevy variety. Nice dark navy uh, blue paint job uh, in decent condition. Uh, the tires have been you know, recently cleaned and replaced. The interior has been vacuumed and washed. It's got that new car smell, even though it's not a new car. It's got a, a big bench front seat and a, well, a bench in the back as well, and a really big trunk. And Fred, you are got a, you got the maps of the city on on the seat next to you yep. as you drive, and you've navigating your way back. And uh, tell me where you're going. He's going right away to uh, where Violet lives. All right. And where do you want to park? Right in front. Mm-hmm. Now in front of these um. There's that front house, and then there's kind of apartments behind them, and there's a small parking area where the the residents all park their cars. There is a little bit of room there. Do you want to park right there, like right in front of the apartments? You know. Yes. Okay. So you yeah you you pull on into this little parking space area. There's like three other cars there. You're blocking them with your vehicle. You stop the car. Turn, take the keys or leave them in. He takes the keys. Okay. Take the keys out. Car door opens. Fred exits. We're in sun- Describe Fred to me. He's wearing sunglasses, ball cap. What do we got? Yep, sunglasses. He's wearing the same cat, uh, uh, hat or cap uh, that he's been wearing since the start of this 
basically nondescript clothes, uh, really dressed as a civilian, not like the typical black pants and suspenders, uh, the fed look. Um, he nervously, he's sweating, so he kind of like wipes the sweat off his brow. He closes the door, locks it, uh, and he goes right for the door of uh, uh, where Violet lives, and he knocks at the door. And so he climbs those steps, the stairs to the top, where there's a two doors, one for each of the two upstairs apartments. One is Violet, one is who knows. Yeah. He knocks on the door. Yep. All right. He keeps an eye, uh, an eye and an ear out for mm-hmm. perhaps a sliding window, someone getting away. So as he knocks, I think he kind of backs. He kind of he he kind of goes down maybe just a few meters back, just to kind of have a look on the general direction of the window. Right. Which to, to look at that window, you'll have to go back down the stairs around the front to the side of the apartments. So you can't yeah. really can't really see it from where you are. You really have to leave, go down. He 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 really goes down. Okay. If someone opens the door. Fuck it, he's going to run up the stairs, but he doesn't want to miss her. So as Fred gets to the bottom step, he hears the front door open. Okay. And it opens into the apartment, not out. Yep. And you hear, you hear a teenager's voice, a voice that you probably remember. Some, Hello? Violet? Um, you see her, the door opens. She peeks out and looks down the hall, down the stairs at you at the bottom. Yep. Um, she, she gives you a really curious... And somewhat clueless look. Like she has no idea what's going on. Fred kind of shrugs. I thought you were going to open the window and get what I mean. She says, I didn't work last time. So, you know, what's... She says, what, what do you... What do you people want? Fair enough. Can I come in? I just want to talk. <sighs> My family will be home real soon. I'm kind of getting some lunch. Uh, is, it, is it quick? That's okay. It is fairly quick, yes. She says, fine, fine. Um... Come on in. Sure. She says, where's your friends? They're busy doing stuff, you know. All right. All right. Um, Fred, I want, you have a persuade. Yes. Roll your persuade for me. We're going to do like a, like a tested social roll here. We're going to see how she does with her human versus your persuade. Okay, that is a success. 51 under 53. That's really close. Yeah, 51 is, is higher than even her human <laughs> skill is. So okay. she does, she, she's kind of, you see her... Trying to figure you out. Yeah. Kind of giving you a curious look like she's trying to figure out what's, what you're up to. But at the moment, she doesn't seem to have any... There's no look of recognition in her eyes as the situation that she's in. Yep. She opens the door and lets you into her apartment. He steps in. He also has like a, the default bag mm-hmm. on his shoulder. Closes the door behind him. And he kind of looks for like a chair to sit down. He, he pulls her a chair as well. Okay. She stands up as you do this. And doesn't move. Okay. He sits down, pulls out a smoke, and says, You smoke? No. You want one? Uh, no, I, I, no I, don't, I don't do that. Okay. That's gross. Puts it in his mouth and, and starts smoking. She does, uh, my, my mom's gonna, gonna know that. Don't, don't, please don't do that. Okay. Violet. What? I know you're a teenager and... and what I'm going to say to you is probably sounds crazy and everything, but you like living here? I don't, I don't know. I mean, no. Okay. You're a, it seems to me, fairly street smart young girl, are you? Um, I don't know. What's going on here? He, he puts the duffel bag on the ground, unzips it, 
and remove the remaining wads of cash. Grabs them, puts them on the table. How much money are we talking about? He took more than was what was needed. Right. At least four thousand dollars. Okay, good. Yeah. So and, and these are so it's kind of like two stacks is what we're looking at basically, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's boom four thousand bucks. Got it. Yeah. All twenties. That's a lot in the early nineties. So Violet, I'll be very honest with you. I'm gonna need you to do something. Okay. She just looks at you and listens. I need you to take the cash that's here. You pack everything of value you have. Your favorite clothes, your favorite things, and you get the fuck out of New Orleans. Can you do that? Uh, uh what? I, what's going on? Like, I don't, no way, man. Who are you? That doesn't matter. Violet, your life is in danger. That stuff you dabbled with, I'm not going to be specific. It could cost you your life. All right, uh, give me, well, I'm going to check something for her. Bad Fred. There's something in her face that tells you, with your with your high human, Fred. Yep. That she's she's made a connection. That something in her clicks, and you see it in her eyes. That it's something. And she doesn't respond to you verbally, but she just nods her head slowly, and there's a look on her face like she understands what the fuck you're talking about. If you're to get out of here, and live, I want you to promise. A couple of things. What? Whatever you dabbled with. You never speak of it again. You never share it again. In fact, you never did anything with it at all. You understand? Um, not, 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 not really. Um, it never happened. The, the sign or the, the stuff you worked with with the other kids, the, the whole plane, that whole thing. You never did any of it. You don't talk of it ever again. You don't share anything about anything about it at all. Bar none. It never existed. You understand? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. Okay. Now for your parents and all that stuff, you're a smart girl. I think you'll be able to take care of yourself. Um, like... But you're going to need to lay low for some time. Okay, um... Okay, like, for how long? A month. Like, like, what do I tell my mom? Nothing. Like, she's gonna... Th she's gonna think I ran away again. Then you run away again? <sighs> I told her I wouldn't. You'll be back at one point. But this is important. She just starts nodding a little bit. She says, um, uh, look, mister, I don't, um... I, I guess I don't need to know what your name is, but, um... You don't. Like, my, my mom's gonna be home soon. Uh, I don't have a lot of time here. Uh, can, can I go? I can help you back. No, no, so, no really, I, I I don't need any help. I mean, like, you, she looks at the money. She says, you, you did enough, okay? I, 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 know, I know what to do. I have a car. You want to be somewhere fast? She, um, she looks at you, and then she, she nods a couple times. Okay. You pack your stuff. When you're ready to leave, I'm in the ugly-ass navy blue car up the front. Okay. She, she nods. Um, she grabs the money and goes off to her bedroom. Okay. Uh, what do you do, Fred? He waits. He waits in the uh, living room. Alright. So it, it takes maybe two to three minutes. She's really... She's she's fast. And she you see her come out with a backpack 
and then like a duffel bag as well. Both duffel in one hand, the backpack in the other, wearing the same clothes that she was wearing. You know, she doesn't change her clothes at all or nothing. She goes, uh, stops next to you, takes a look at you. You have her. Um, she pauses for a little bit, like the, almost like she's frozen. Uh, you see, you sense some fear in her that didn't come out earlier, like a, a look of, of fear. And she, she doesn't seem, she doesn't really do anything. She doesn't go forward. She doesn't go backward. She seems to freeze here in the living room. Violet, if if I was to kill you, you would have never known I was there. Uh, listen, um, you could like take me somewhere and like I would just disappear, right? Yeah. Like the bad kind. I'm trying to help you not to disappear. So yeah, she takes a single step backwards. Like if I get in that car with you, mister, whoever you are, um, like, I said, I don't know you. Violet, I have a nephew maybe two years younger than you. I quite, quite simply do not want your death on my conscience. That's all. Um, give me another persuade for her. Okay. And let, let's, let's see how that works. I'm going to roll for her as well. Oh, shit. 98. Not a fumble, but uh, right. it's a failure. Um, so she seems to step back a little bit. She's like, uh, she goes, look, um, listen, I, I don't need your, I don't need your help. I don't need a ride. I'll, I'll be, listen, I'll just, I'll take care of it myself, mister. I don't. Okay. I don't feel good about this. That's fine. But you, you gotta leave now. She nods. Okay. You never saw me at all. Okay. Yeah. The other, other, the other woman that was there that, that talked to you, you've never seen her either. Um, okay. Okay, mister. And that whole, whatever the fuck you did with those stupid-ass students at that high school. You do everything you can to just forget it. I don't know. If you know, if you want to buy drugs, buy drugs. If you want to steal shit, steal shit. Just do anything except that. You can do that? Yeah, yeah, I, I listen, I, I, I quit that, I quit that group. I don't want nothing to do with it. It's, that stupid play, it's, 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 I don't want anything to do with it. It is quite stupid. Excellent. Well then, Violet, good luck. Do as I told you if you want to see your mom again. All right, so she just nods quietly and looks at you. It stays perfectly still in her living room. All right. Kind of stands up, goes to kind of turn around. You sure you don't want to smoke? She shakes her head a bunch. Just no, no, no. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> All right. He steps down, goes back to the car and is going to waste his fucking time basically trying to set up the whole thing that he did, in fact, take care of Violet. And what, describe what that means. Well, I'm not quite sure. He's got a 50% criminology, so he's going to try to... He's going to lie uh, to anyone necessary uh, that uh, Violet was, was has been killed, has been taken care of. And so what, what I think Fred would probably do with that experience is he clearly has to fake that he... He got her in the car, either alive or dead. Yep. And then he took her body somewhere. Yep. And dumped it. So I would assume Fred goes through the motions. He does. Of, of doing that. Of where he, he looks at the maps and thinks exactly where he would have done it. And he he, obvi- he could have done it. Like, no problem. Like, now. But, uh, uh, yeah, he's going to do everything. He's going to even move things around. He's going to make everything look as if he, he, well, killed a young girl. 
Who's his intended audience of this lie? Uh, you two. So Fred will begin the process of setting that up and, sh- and having the remnants of what it would look like if he had done that. So Fred, you could probably have um, some, get some plastic bags, some stuff you, get, you, you do with the trunk. You know, you put things in there, you begin the process. I don't know what tools Fred brought with him, but he's probably going to go back to the hotel and get a shovel and get some other tools as well. Yep. So he will he will begin the process of as if he has to dispose a body. Yep. And then we cut back to Willow and Dorothy in the back of that white panel van. I'm sorry, guys. No, don't don't be sorry. <laughs> this is why we have protocols. <laughs> All right. So Dorothy, you've got your gear. Willow, uh, of course, has her gear. Van Van Door's clothes. Without there being offensive grenades. The plan has to change a little bit. There's two gas cans, I think, right? Yeah. I would tell Dorothy she needs to go fill those up. I'm going to stay here and watch. So you you did fill them up previously. They are full. Oh, they're full. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Dope. Each of the two-gallon cans. So you have two two-gallon cans of gasoline, which you filled up on your way over here. Like, how big is the theater? It's just the one one stage it's actually, it's pretty sizable. I mean, you've got, yeah. you know, the, um, that kind of open air courtyard on the front and then you've got a lobby and then you've got the actual house where all the audience is and you have the stage and whatever is behind it, who knows? And upstairs. And, and there's an upstairs offices and, you know, there's, it's a large, tall structure. The box office. So it's a fire would start burning some of it down, obviously, but how much is a good question. You, you can see, like, the light bulb go off in Willow's head. She says, grab the cans, let's go. What, what? Willow's loaded, right? So she's got the the rifle, both pistols. She's unscrewed the silencer, left it in the van, reloads. Right. And and for Willow, it's one o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. And she's going to be walking around this area of town right. with that rifle on her back, carrying two gas cans. I'm concerned about this. Well, Dorothy's carry the gas cans. Right, but I'm, I'm concerned about the idea of, like, open-carrying weapons on the street in the middle of the day. It is very conspicuous what you're doing. Yeah. The whole thing is very conspicuous. Would it be less conspicuous to pull the van around behind, like, to the service area of the theater? Yeah, it probably would be. <laughs> we could do that first. Like, at this point, there's been, we've been here for 10 or 15 minutes, and there's been no traffic, Tom. Like, nobody's, we haven't seen no, any. You've seen cars drive. Cars are driving on the main main streets. No, but in and out. Interacting with the theater theater. at all? You haven't seen people coming in and out the front doors. You're looking at the front doors of the theater. You haven't seen any activity at the front. We've just seen ghouls walking in and out? That's it. Okay. Inspectors. Inspectors. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, um, I I think... So Willow hasn't seen anything. (laughs) (laughs) Just Dorothy. (laughs) Uh, I I think we should kind of... Um, scope it out a little bit first, like to make sure people are actually in there. No. Okay. Why? I don't trust Tom. Okay. We're going in like, so my plan is to go in and set the curtain in the projector room on fire. Yeah. Okay. I think those two things are big enough hot spots to get it done. Cause it, your directive was this show can't go on. Yes. So we're going to stop that from happening. Yeah. People being there or not is irrelevant at this point. Okay. If there's people, we take care of the people. If there's not people, we take care of the theater so the play can't go on. Okay. Let's do it. 
All right, what's your entry point? Do you, so let's back up. You, you bring the van around the back of the theater, right? Is there like a loading dock? So what you'll see is behind the theater, there's an alley. Okay. And as you drive along the alley, there is along the back a, a, a large set of double doors. And there's kind of a, a ramp that extends a little bit out into the alleyway and then goes down the side in a 90 degree angle from the building where they can roll up, you know, heavy objects to access the theater proper. So you see it. And these are like loading door sized doors on the back of the theater that you see. There's also a small entrance as well. So there's a regular entrance at street level. Then there's this loading dock kind of structure also on the back of the theater. I think we go for the smaller entrance because I, I assume they're both going to be locked. But. And um, I vote gas masks if for no other reason than obscuring our faces. Well, maybe maybe that doesn't matter because it's it's a small goth woman and a giant uh, a giant yeah, I was going to say, Willow learned a long time ago that it's really hard to disguise herself. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. She, well, she's hard to miss. But she could basically be a, a, a nondescript giant person in a gas mask. Yeah, there's. I don't think so. Like, the giving up all the tactical ability to see and just knowing that people are... Rem- trench coats? Trench coat would help. Okay. Just trenches then, which hides the rifle too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see probably yeah, um, the rifle maybe it's upside down in a sling on the back maybe it still sticks up over the collar the butt will be poking up it will be visible the shotguns are easier to conceal with that trench coat than the rifle would be yeah she would probably point a shotgun out to Dorothy but Willow's just not a fan shotguns are messy and easy to mess up uh, they're both firearms right yeah they're both firearms. firearms skill yeah okay so I got 40, so I'll, I'll just take the pistol. It's fine. In Delta Green rules, it doesn't matter what kind of gun it is, really. It's all firearms. Pretty simplistic. Yeah, it just it, the only thing that matters is the range and the damage, basically. So a pistol's going to have higher range, I think, than a shotgun, but lower damage. But people are squishy anyway, and I don't think anybody in here is going to have guns. And anybody that's hit by Willow's rifle is done. Yeah. Unless they're armored. Yeah, I, I would... Trench coats as concealed as possible, but also fast. Like we're trying to be quick here, mm-hmm. and I yeah want to go up to the walking door, not the loading, like the rolling doors. And just one one more quick note: uh, if you are burning things and you have to deal with a smoke issue, uh, those gas masks do come in handy for not inhaling the smoke. Yeah, we can we can take them with us. Uh, I think Dorothy will slip on the trench coat. And um, pull her hair back into a ponytail and tie it up, and then um, yeah, she'll probably attach the gas mask maybe to the to the trench coat. You could just grab a duff. Well, let's see. Willow doesn't want to have anything in her hands, right? Other than the rifle. Once we get inside, I could carry stuff. A duffel and two gas cans. I'm carrying the I'm carrying the gas cans. That's right. I can sling the duffel. I'll sling the duffel with the gas mask. Uh, what else do we have? Got the smoke grenades. We don't have any explodey boom booms at all. Yeah, nothing that's uh, gonna explode. No. Mm. Okay. Well, it would definitely mutter about bringing some plastic explosive next time. <laughs> <laughs> She'll also need some training in how to use those. Tell Morrison. Yeah, but that's, it. that's another conversation for another time. So, um, Willow, are you going to that back door? What's are you? How's what's your entry? Describe your entry to me. The walking door, so the smaller door that's like street level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go up to it and try it, assuming that it's locked, and be prepared to kick it off its hinges. 
Yeah. So checking it, um, it is locked. It opens outward, not inward. Yeah. So a kick would be a bad idea. Yeah, very bad for the ankles. But you, but you can see the hinges. Exactly. We could knock the hinge pins out. What do you want? Now we're being conspicuous again, right? But we are in an alley. Oh, yeah. What's across the alley from us? Like what's some other building uh, with basically a, a brick uh, structure, some old chain link, a couple of dumpsters. Yeah, you don't see anything. But no houses. Very commercial. It's like a commercial alley, right? Yeah, another part of a commercial. Yeah, it's a commercial. Alley. And it's Sunday. Sunday. Yes. Could we try the dock doors? You could. Um, you're just curious if I can get up on there and see if it's latched. Try it. All right. Um, they're not latched, but they are heavy. Yeah. So you could you feel them give a little bit, but they um they slide. As opposed to open, they they they're almost like bar- barn doors. Is a better way to think of them. Yeah, they open uh, sideways. Yeah. Oh, they slide sideways. Interesting. Okay. Well, they're wood or metal. I, I would tell Willow, like, get up here, give me a hand with this. Okay, I would do that. All right. So you both s- slide those open. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not much, like enough to get through. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the doors slide open. All right. A- outside we have the sun. We have. You know, it is a bright day in the city. We're in an abandoned um, alleyway. Inside the theater, as you slide them open, is darkness. So you are opening up into a dark space. The sunlight behind you coming in, your shadows being sort of projected in the inside. And what you see is um, some cement flooring. You see just beyond the cement, as the sunlight illuminates it, the wood paneling of a stage. And darkness on all three sides. We do um, probably have flashlights in the duffel bag because I know we had those when we went to the Dubois residence. Mm-hmm. Do we have flares? I should have written down all the stuff that we got. I don't know. Freaking. What do you want flares for? They start fires nicely, especially on wood floors. Oh yeah, that's true. I'd probably point one way and go the other way looking for the lights. Since we can see the stage, I'm assuming we're in like the behind the stage prep area we do not have flares okay so let's go look for a light switch okay where do you just want to go into the dark theater and start looking for light switches follow the wall like so we're just straight into the door go down the left wall first got it and uh so dorothy are you following willow or you going the other direction i think i'm gonna go the other direction all right Um, but i think I, i would take a flashlight i might not turn it on yet but i would take one with me just in case so as Willow and Dorothy split and go in opposite directions following the back wall of what appears to be the, the back of a theater, you basically move into the darkness following the wall. The sunlight helps to some degree behind you, show you that where you are. On one side of you is the concrete structure of the outside of this theater. You can see it along with beams and supports. On the other side, um, you make out with these wooden pallets or structures uh, I think you guys would know look set pieces perhaps but the back side of set pieces okay. it's just wood with wooden flats supported you have no idea what's on the other side it's you're on the behind set pieces is where you are yep. so one side of you is set piece the other side is the wall and as you move further into the darkness somewhere ahead of you you can make out the, the curtains on the wings of the stage so yeah, so we're actually like coming into like the back of the stage. Yes. Not not like a back hallway. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
I'll cut over to Fred if you're just for dramatic purposes. Fred, you've um, you've driven out of town. You found some back roads, some back areas. You find, there's lots of these low areas and like channels and canals that are overgrown. And as you look look out there, you know who knows what lurks out beyond the edges of the city. So much of the city is reclaimed from the swamps, and just on the edges of it, there's all these lowlands and swamp areas that are coming back and refilling, backfilling. And it doesn't. It's not long before you you're in an area that's overgrown, um, and you can hear the sound of bugs and mosquitoes and you know animals and birds and things. And you're alone on this kind of deserted dead end road that looks out on these um, these channels and gullies and dikes and it's all set up here on the edge of the city you're alone Fred with your vehicle with nothing in the trunk of your vehicle but some empty plastic tarps and bags what do you want to do Fred again he'd uh, make sure like Willow mentioned uh, it's gator country Go to a spot where where probably it looks like there would be gators. Something he can, he can point out on a map that he can uh, reference down the line. Uh, and uh, for the tarps that he has and everything, he's probably going to get rid of a couple. Probably drop. He wouldn't like dump them in, in where he would have dumped the body because that would have just been gone as well. Uh, he'd probably just kind of keep a couple of the tarps and uh, others he would have just dumped uh, in... in trash along the way and uh, apart from this he'd probably with the shovel he would uh, dip it into like the mud and into the water and kind of make it look like maybe like he pushed a corpse into the water with it and yeah i think he's gonna uh, maybe grab a bit of mud splatter some on his clothes make it look like uh, yeah he 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 got down and dirty into into the bayous and and dropped a, a body in there make it look like a real crime yeah, so it doesn't take long for him to get these things together, set it all up, take your take your gear back to the car, put it back in the trunk, shut it down. You're you're like this dead end road, which fronts like the swamps and the bogs and the channels, and you can hear the sounds of, of animals and insects just beyond. And as you look carefully, you see maybe some movement in the swamps uh, of of a large creature. It works. It makes sense. Uh, you finish up here, wipe your hands off of the mud. Get back into your your new vehicle, three-point turn, and drive back towards the city of New Orleans. They tell me all your stories, all the little worries you cry. They tell me what the world needs, what to say, who to please. Where my loyalty should lie
and the battles 